Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. You know, the markets continue to just be chaotic, and especially on Friday with the recent news of Russia claiming that they have annexed the eastern regions of Ukraine. And of course, the world is not 100% accepting these claims, but the market in particular did not like hearing those words as they're echoing throughout the world. Today on today's podcast, we're going to first be talking about how U.S. announces new sanctions on Russia in response to Ukraine annexation and what that means for the markets potentially going forward. Disney's in the news as well as Disney names a new president of Disney Plus, and we'll talk a little bit that and what potentially this could lead for Disney into the future going forward. Finally, the last thing we'll be talking about in today's podcast has to do with the EV revolution that's happening for the electric batteries in cars. One has to do with Toyota and what the CEO is planning to do there. One has to do with New York and what they're doing themselves as well. And finally, there is a story that we need to cover that ties in with what's happening both in New York and with the CEO of Toyota for the EVs that are supposed to be coming out. With that being said, I have to remind you all at the beginning of each podcast, I am not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form, and everything I talk about in this podcast is for information purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing in any company, as you're not guaranteed to make money in the stock market when you do invest. Also, your professional advisor would actually know your financial situation a lot better than I would, so they'd be able to help you a lot more. I cannot legally give you financial advice. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. And with that, let's begin today's podcast. U.S. announces new sanctions on Russia in response to Ukraine annexation. From Washington, the Biden administration announced new economic sanctions on hundreds of Russian officials and entities Friday in response to the Kremlin's illegal annexation of four regions of Ukraine. Quote, make no mistake, these actions have no legitimacy. President Joe Biden said in a statement slamming Russian President Vladimir Putin's goal of recreating the Soviet-style Russian empire. Quote, I urge all members of the international community to reject Russia's illegal attempts of annexation and to stand with the people of Ukraine for as long as it takes, he said, vowing that America and its allies would hold the Kremlin accountable. The new sanctions target several front companies outside of Russia that were created this year to help the major Russian military suppliers, even the sanctions they had already faced. The new designations also expanded sanctions on the top Kremlin's officials to include their wives and adult children. After seven months of war and economic station, these revisions offer a window into what the U.S. officials believe is working. The Treasury Department named 14 international suppliers that assisted Russian military supply chain. It also imposed designation on 109 members of Russia's state, uh, Duma, and 169 members of the Federation Council of the Federation Assembly of the Russian Federation. Also new on Friday in is addition of Russia's central bank governor and former advisor to Putin. Since 2013, she has overseen its efforts to protect the Kremlin and Western sanctions after Russia illegally seized Crimea in 2014, according to the Treasury Department. The new sanctions family members are also relatives of Russians of Russia's National Security Council. They include Russia's prime minister, his wife, two, child, two adult children, along with defense minister and adult children. Last thing we'll read, it says, meanwhile, the State Department will impose visas restrictions for a gross violation of human rights. Uh, I, I cannot pronounce the name of this person. 
and is perpetrated against Ukrainian prisoners of war and 910 individuals. The department also imposed visa restrictions on members of the Russian military. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how this affects the market going forward. And I believe it already has. Okay. One thing in particular that's interesting to look at is with these announcements, it means war is not ending anytime soon, at least between Russia and Ukraine. All these sanctions are going to do is continue to push Russia to China. And obviously, India is then going to still back up Russia because they don't want China to get big enough because India doesn't want a strong China next to them. These sanctions doesn't explain in details of what they're planning to do in full details of other sanctions, but economically, it's not going to affect Russia in any way, shape or form. They'll continue to sell oil to China. We've covered that on this podcast. Listen to the past podcasts to be able to understand a little bit more on that detail. But at the end of the day, these sanctions, it's going to cause a lot of prices to go up within the United States. Oil and gas already is going up, especially in California. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention or just in general. I don't know how it is across the other, across the nation currently right now, but at least in California right now, oil prices have been going up. Now, granted, that might also be other factors that we don't know about, at least that we know on this podcast currently right now. But it's interesting to see just how gas prices have been shooting up recently. This whole thing's going to become a mess. It's going to continue to become more and more of a mess as it keeps going forward. All this is doing is pushing Russia to China. And the economy is going to be, when this war is all said and done, China and Russia, they're going to be closer allies. And since China's trying to become the next global superpower, it seems like in the making, especially in the markets, it's just going to keep causing more chaos. So good luck United States with its sanctions currently right now. On to the next article. Disney names Alyssa Bowen, president of Disney Plus, as it prepares to launch ad tier. The Walt Disney Company has named Alyssa Bowen president of Disney Plus. On Thursday, the company said Bowen, who has been its executive vice president of business operation for Disney streaming, will immediately take over the lead executive at its Disney Plus subscription service. Uh, Michael Paul previously served as the president of Disney Plus in addition to the company's other streaming brands. In the new standalone role, Brown... Uh, correction, Bowen is expected to lead the launch of Disney Plus ad support tier, as well as the promotion of the service and its slate of content. She'll continue reporting on Michael Paul's Disney president of director to consumer division. Disney announced its new ad support Disney Plus tier in March, saying that it would launch in the U.S. later this year. The new offering will expand internationally in 2023. In August, the company unveiled a new pricing structure that incorporates an advertising support Disney Plus as part of an effort to make its streaming business profitable. Starting December 8th, in the U.S., Disney Plus with commercials will be $7.99 per month. Currently, the price of Disney Plus without ads, the price of ad-free Disney Plus will rise 38% to $10.99, a $3 a $3 a month increase. Alyssa has been the indispensable member of our leadership team since the inception of Disney Plus, said Paul. She's... She poses a rare, valuable combination of deep institutional knowledge, forward thinking, innovation, and global vision rooted in strong focus on our consumer. That is perfectly suited for this critical role, and I'm confident she'll have she'll have an immediate and positive impact on the business. You know, Disney's had a lot of problems. They have, okay? One of the biggest reasons, at least in my opinion, is that what they're creating is complete garbage at Disney. Okay. Now, granted, maybe Avatar becomes what becomes their their savior for the time being. But a lot of the stuff Disney has been releasing, in my opinion, in the movies have been complete garbage across the board. And that's what's going to determine whether or not people continue to subscribe to Disney+. Plus. Now, granted, the whole point of streaming was to get away from ads. Now they're adding ads to streaming. 
I don't know if people are going to be wanting to have to deal with ads anymore. Or maybe this just becomes full cycle now of you leave a service to get away from the ads and now you are becoming the service that is bringing back the ads. It's going to get interesting to see. But I'm also curious to know how much, like let's say people do decide, you know what, I want to watch Disney Plus and I don't care if I have to pay ads to watch Disney Plus. I wonder if when they impl- when they have the ads on Disney, how much money Disney is going to make. Disney Plus in particular. That's something of interest I would like to know that they hope that they do talk about in their next earnings report when the time comes. Obviously, we have to wait till next year before this ad tier is submitted to the public. But it's still going to be interesting to see how much of the revenue comes from ads going forward. And that'll give us an idea of where the streaming wars is potentially going. I mean, a lot, I mean, even Netflix is having to potentially think about putting ads onto their content. So streaming wars are about ready to start heating up. And if I know anything from Wall Street, it potentially is going to be a hot topic in the future where they're going to be talking about who's going to be king of the ad space on streaming service. We're going to keep an eye out for that. And I advise you do as well, as it might actually be giving you ideas of who might win the streaming war when it's all said and done. Last few things we'll talk about in today's podcast. Toyota's CEO doubles down on EV strategy amid criticism. It's not moving fast enough. From Las Vegas, Toyota Motor is standing by its electric vehicle strategy, including hybrids like its Prius, following criticism by some investors and environmentalist groups that the company is uh, transitioning too slow to EVs. Toyota's CEO, a co- Akio Toyoda, who had built the corporation strategy around the idea that EVs aren't the only solution for automakers to reach carbon neutrality, said Thursday, the company will move forward with plans to offer an array of so-called electrified vehicles for the forecast future, ranging from hybrids and plug-in all-electrics to hydrogen electric vehicles. Everything's going to be up to the customer to decide, he said through a translator during a small media roundtable, a day after addressing the company's Toyota dealers at their annual conference in Las Vegas. Toyota addressed the need to convince skeptics of the company strategy, including government officials focusing regulations on all electric battery vehicles, saying that the automaker will present the hard facts about consumer adoption and the entire environmental impact of producing EVs compared with hybrid electric vehicles. Since the uh, Prius launched in 1997, Toyota said it has sold more than 200 million electric vehicles worldwide. The company also says the sales have avoided 160 million tons of CO2 emissions, which is the equivalent of the impact of 5.5 million all-electric battery vehicles. Toyota remarks echoed comments he made to thousands of Toyota dealers and employees on Wednesday, saying the company will play with all the cards in the deck and offer a wide variety of vehicles for all customers. That's a strategy we're sticking to, Toyota, who has described itself as a car guy or car nerd, said in a recording of the remarks shown to reporters. Toyota doubled down on the company's expectations that all electric vehicle adoption will take longer to become a mainstream than many think. He said it will be difficult to fulfill recent regulations that call for banning traditional vehicles with international combustion engines by 2035, like California and New York said they will have adopted. You know, we're ready to talk about that right now about New York, but I kind of agree with him. It is going to take some time to have to transition. You can't just give everything up immediately. You can't. And the sad thing is, is that a lot of these ESG companies are like, we have to do this now. The environment, social governance. 
Quite insane. Still can't believe that Elon Musk has been kicked out of the ESG because of his remarks about Twitter. But that's just how it is currently right now. But speaking of New York, like we just mentioned in that article from CNBC, from another article from CNBC, New York expedites efforts to ban sales of new gas cars by 2035. Congratulations, New York. You are now like California. By 2035, there will... I guess there won't be any more gas vehicles being sold. Article reads from CNBC, New York governor on Thursday announced she is ordering state regulators to make changes necessary to require all passenger vehicles, pickup trucks, and SUVs sold in the state to be zero emissions by 2035. The move comes about a month after California voted to ban the sale of new gasoline-powered vehicles starting in 2035, setting a precedent for other blue states. It is a critical step for New York to take to meet its goal of reducing greenhouse gases 85% by 2050. Specifically, it's ex- expecting uh, regulatory requirements necessary to implement legislation. She signed its September of 2021. That's the governor of New York, by the way. That formally set the goal for all new passengers, cars, and trucks in New York State to be zero emissions by 2035. New York is a national climate leader. Apparently not New York because uh, California did it first. Remember that. Okay, continuing on. And an economic powerhouse, and we're using our strength to help our spur innovation and implementation of zero emissions vehicle on a grand scale. The governor of New York said in a written statement published announcing the news, the regulations would require 35% of sales in model year 2026 to have zero emissions vehicles, 68% of sales by 2030, and 100% of sales by 2035. Also, there would be pollution standards set for passenger cars, light-duty trucks, medium-duty vehicles with gas combustion engines for model year 2026 through 2034, according to the statement from the governor announced. I think it's a little ridiculous that these politicians can be making these rules and regulations saying, we dictate what the market thinks. It's sickening. I mean, let me remind you all, for my fellow podcast listeners, what has happened recently, at least in California, with the all electric vehicle issue in the making. Okay, let's take a trip down memory lane. Do you guys remember that heat wave in the beginning of September, like September 3rd through September 13th? That that one week, week and a half, almost two week period where it was like 90 plus degrees. You remember when we received those text alerts saying, please make sure to conserve energy. Please don't plug in your electric cars. Well, you might be facing that in the future. In all seriousness, the California grid currently right now can't handle a lot of these issues currently right now. There's rolling blackouts apparently in California. They haven't happened in a while, but apparently they were supposed to happen during those two weeks. That was in September. That was literally almost a month ago. Okay. We're now in October and they want to make electric vehicles a thing. What's going to happen when there is rolling blackouts and you have to charge your car? Oh, sorry. Can't make it to work tomorrow. Car wouldn't charge. I mean, what's probably going to end up happening currently right now with this whole, we need electric cars. I personally would not be surprised if gas generators become more of a sought out item in the future. And all honestly, if you lose your power, you're pretty much screwed. I mean, think about this. When was the last time you lost power? I know when I lost power recently, I was very confused. Like we had no internet service, had no TV, lights were turned off. What do you do? Well, it reminds you of the life before the internet and what you had to do. Life before electricity. It's always a game changer and a, a welcoming moment when you have to realize that when you lose power, a lot of issues are going to happen. And now New York is doing this. First it was California. Now it's New York. 
I personally believe blue states across the nation in the United States are going to be making a push for this. Now, what I hope will come of this, now granted, there's not going to be a study done, but I hope CNBC does do a study sometime in the future on this. They should compare states, red and blue states in the future, for all gas cars versus all electric cars, and see whose grid can handle the electricity support that's needed in the future. My bet, I'm going to say it's going to be red states, okay? Red states in particular, I don't see them going all electric. I really don't. I think the next state potentially on the list might be Illinois. I'd say that's a safe bet. I mean, we wouldn't be surprised if there is an article about that soon. Or maybe it's going to be Nevada. Hard to tell. But this whole electric thing's getting insane because here's something that's crazy. This was reported last Tuesday from CNBC, and I've been holding on to this article for a little bit for a little bit this week, just so that I can find more information to back up what, what I'm about ready to say. Because this is happening in the UK currently. And now, granted, this is a week old, but it's still an interesting read to see what happens when electricity, especially plugging in your car, matches with gas prices when you have to fill up your car. Okay, from the UK, from CNBC. EV charging points in Britain are now nearly as expensive as gasoline research shows. From CNBC. Electric car drivers in the UK have seen the cost of using a public rapid charger on a pay-as-you-go tariff rise by 42% since May, according to data released Monday. Figures from RAC Charge Watch, which is part of the RAC, a a motoring organization, show that it now costs EV drivers using the above infrastructure an average of 63.29 pence, or 72 cents, a kilowatt hour to charge their vehicle. Breaking the figures down, the RAC said... This meant a 80% rapid charge of a typical family-sized electric car using a 64-kilowatt battery cost, an average of $34.87. I guess in the UK, it would be 32.41 pounds. So the RAC said an increase was down to the soaring cost of wholesale gas and electricity. It added that those using ultra-rapid chargers have, been see- have seen an average charging cost jump by 25%. The analysis also showed that a driver exclusively using a rapid or ultra rapid charging on the public network will now pay around 18 per uh, 18p per mile for electricity, the RAC said. This compares to 19p per mile for the petroleum gasoline car and 21p per mile on the diesel one. Based on someone driving at an average of 40 miles to the gallon, it went on to state. Despite the amount of RAC noted that many EV users would, for the most part charge at their home where electricity costs less. With the UK's government energy price guaranteed set to come into force immediately, the price per mile for an average size electric vehicle would come down in roughly a 9p for charging at home. If driven in a reasonable efficient manner at 80% charging at home would cost 17.87, the RAC said 17.87 a pound, I believe. For those who have already made the switch to an electric car or thinking of doing so, it remains the case that charging away from home costs less than refueling a petrol or diesel car. But these figures show that the gap is narrowing as a result of the enormous increase in the cost of electricity. Thank you, Simon Williams, for saying that quote. I will read it again and we will shout Simon Williams' name on this podcast again. Let's read that again. It says, these figures show that the gap is narrowing as a result of the enormous increase in the cost of electricity. Simon Williams, the RAC electric vehicle spokesperson said, continuing on a quote, he says, these figures were very clearly show that its drivers use, who use public rapid and ultra rapid charging, 
the most who are being hit the hardest, he added. The UK wants to stop the sale of new diesel and gasoline cars and vans by 2030. It will require from 2035 all new cars and vans have zero tailpipe emissions. Oh, good. Now the UK is going through this as well, besides New York and California. Continuing on with the article, says, with more EVs set to arrive on Britain's roads in the years ahead, the, the RAC is backing calls for sales tax cuts and electricity sold at public chargers in order to, re, to redress what it sees as the imbalance between public and private charging. While the government's energy bill relief scheme announced last week should help prevent charging costs up from spiraling still further, it remains the case that drivers using public chargers unfairly pay 20% in VAT sales tax for electricity very five compared to charging at home where it's just 5%. It said, adding that it's supporting a campaign of 5% rate for both public and private charging. In a statement sent to CNBC, the government spokesperson said that the EV continued to offer opportunities for saving against their petrol and diesel counterparts with lower overall running costs, thanks to cheaper charging, lower maintenance costs, and tax incentives. Yeah, I still don't believe it. I really don't. I mean, I will I will be the first to admit it on this podcast when they do finally, if if they are able to have cheap electricity. But here's something that they're not talking about, it seems like in this article. One of the reasons why it's going to become cheaper in the end is because their prime minister recently allowed fracking to happen again. We spoke about it in a past podcast. Go listen to it if you want to understand that one a little bit more. Another thing too that needs to be talked about too, why is it going to become cheaper in the end if energy prices go down? Because the prime minister signed a bill saying that they were going to cap electricity if I'm not mistaken. Go listen to that podcast as well in the past that we've talked about. We've talked about this in the past. These people are sick. They're, they're like, they're making this giant push for green energy at times. What I also don't get either, and what they're not mentioning is, what if everyone plugs in their electric cars together at the same time? Like I had just mentioned, this happened in California. There was so much electricity being used and the AC was being used so much that they were saying there was going to be rolling blackouts. What if it's a really hot day and you have to charge your car, use your AC, use the internet, have power in your home, cook your meals, and you lose power? No one's talking about it. How much do you want to bet potentially that these utility companies will end up using the excuse of, well, there was a high demand of electricity, so we had to raise prices on people in order to meet up with the demand of electricity. No one's talking about it. It's sickening at times. We'll we'll keep talking about it here on this podcast in general, but it's just really annoying to think that they're like, it's cheaper to charge at home. Of course, it's cheaper to charge at home, but then electric companies will eventually start charging you more. Now, granted, the stations outside of your home, I can see them being expensive because, yeah, it's how people make money. Does that mean all the gas stations eventually will be turned into electric stations too? How's that going to work out in the long run too? I often wonder. But I have no answer to that currently right now. Last thing I read about this article says, with European economics facing an energy crisis and soaring prices over the coming months, there have been concerns in some quarters that the increasing cost of charging an EV will decentivize uptake among customers. Ah, yes. Speaking to CNBC earlier this month, the head of equity strategy at Saxo Bank said the cost advantage of electric vehicles versus gasoline car was fast diminishing in Europe. I'm really wondering to what degree that will begin to impact sales for EVs. Read that one more time. Speaking to CNBC earlier this month, the head of equity strategy at Saxo Bank said the cost advantage for electric vehicles versus a gasoline car was fast diminishing in Europe. You know, it's going to get interesting to see what happens in the long run. And all honestly, 
if the incentive used to be that it's cheaper to use electric cars, but now everyone's starting to use electric cars, that means the demand's going to go up for electric cars and the demand for electricity for those electric cars is going to go up, which means we're going to be almost in the exact same situation. Except in the future, politicians won't be complaining about gas. They'll be complaining about the evil battery companies or the evil green energy companies that are just being so greedy and that they shouldn't be charging people so much. That's sarcasm if you don't understand, but you know, let people decide what they want to do. Government needs to get out of people's lives in general, but the market's going to love hearing this news about EVs. Wouldn't be surprised if some Wall Street banker or some politician starts making a lot of money off these EV companies. So keep an eye out that for that fellow podcast listeners. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. With that being said, thank you for listening to, some, to today's podcast, fellow listeners. If you had liked this podcast, please like and subscribe to this podcast as every like and subscription we get to this podcast can help grow this podcast so we will keep talking about the events that are happening on Wall Street that Wall Street is not willing to talk about at times. Please also share with friends and family as they might enjoy this podcast and they can help grow this channel a lot faster as well. With that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.